You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. I can't, I can't begin this message pretending like you didn't just watch what you saw. As I stand here, my right ankle is still not right from that, that night of filming. I was dancing all around, and, and literally, I think I broke my ankle, to be honest with you. Yeah, there's no good transition from that. It's weird. It's a weird, it's a weird group, and I wonder how many will leave the church after watching that also. That's always like one of those, you know, dark horses. It's like you don't know what happened. You know, oh, they left after that one. Well, stay with us because, you know, you should have a good time in church. It should be, we're just people. We're not up here putting up front, pretending to be someone we're not. We like Hugh Jackman. He's like an awesome singer and it's just great. So, yes, we are in a series and really beyond a series, we are in a theme, really. We started a brand new theme. Our calendar goes from September to September. And as a church, we, uh, we started this new theme called All In, All In. And it's all about going all in for God. And so we are in part three of this series. And week one, if you missed it, and week two, because we're in part three, if you missed those two, I would encourage you to go back into the podcast archives and listen to those podcasts because they will enrich your life. I believe that wholeheartedly. And it's an important progression that we are on here in part three. And starting in part one, it was all about how before we consider going all in, we need to accept the truth and realize that God went all in for us. God, he gave everything for us so that we could be all in with him. Because I, I wholeheartedly believe with all of my heart, uh, from experience, from my observation of people's lives, people who I respect now when I look at history, I believe the best life is the result, a, a life that is well lived. The best life lived is a result of living all in with God. And so to first know that God went all in for us, that was part one. Part two was we should go in God's direction, like Alaska was talking about this morning, referencing Donnie, our youth ministry pastor, who was, uh, who was speaking last week. He said, we need to go in God's direction, meaning we need to go all in with God. And so the first and thing I want to start with this morning, even though I already started, Matthew twenty two thirty seven is our theme for this year of love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And so this is a big deal to say that we should be all in with God. That was last week. We should be in God's direction. God went all in with us. God's a big deal. We should go all in with him. So much so that we should be all in with our heart, encompassing the entire inner life, whether that be our mind, our emotions, our will, with all of our soul, our cravings, our desires, our appetite. We should be all in, wanting nothing more than God. And with all of our mind, or as in Deuteronomy says, all of our strength, with all of our everything. Ugh. That's how I defined in Oakmont. I preached last week in Oakmont, preaching on all of our strength. I defined it as Ah, like you want God just so, ah, because like, it just kind of captures like quantity, like how much, like to the highest degree, most quantity we should want God. And that speaks pretty highly of God, that we should want to be all in with God, that not only are we commanded to be all in with God, and that the, the statement is made that the best life results from living a life with God, but we, we, get, we get to be all in with God. And that's because God's awesome. God's a big deal. And I want to take a, 
I'll pause moment this morning and just talk about how great God is, because God is amazing. When you read the scriptures, you see a God who has created and fashioned together the universe, who has made the coolest things. When you look out into creation, how many of you just love to go on walks and that's your way, like out in nature, that's your way to kind of decompress, to kind of get away, you find yourself in the woods. How many of you are kind of like that? Oh, I love walking through the woods. I love looking at these little plants. I'm obsessed with trees and flowers. And I like looking at the patterns. God fashioned together a world where that could be. Everything from the little bumblebee who who shouldn't be able to fly because of the body mass to wing ratio to like my Labrador retriever that's like so cool walking through my house. It's like a person kind of. Um, A stupid one, but definitely a person. Uh, But what a great dog. Like just God fashioned together. Like I look at the cosmos, I look at the sky, I look at the waterfalls, nature. It just points to this amazing God. And then you read the scriptures and you see a God who is slow to anger, a God who is so patient with his people when they time and again turn their back on God. God doesn't give up on them. He continues to open up the door. And that's even good news for us here today. If you haven't given your life to Jesus and you're kind of just scoping out this God thing, know that there is a God who has a door open for your life, regardless of how atrocious your past is or how disappointed you are or others might be of your current life situation, how bleak you look forward and see your future and however bleak that looks for you. God has an open door where you can come into a relationship with him where we can be all in with him and experience life and life to the full. And God's amazing in and of himself because he's big, he's awesome. He's basically, we, we have a revelation where he tells us about himself where we can get some specifics about him, but he's just so great and so grand that we have to use anthropomorphisms, which is like human language to even start talking about God because he's so far above and awesome. That's a really good word to keep in your back pocket, by the way, at a dinner party. Anthropomorphisms, yeah, I nailed it. Anthropomorphism is like, you know, giving human attributes to God or human qualities to God so you can be able to start thinking about God and how awesome he is because he's a mystery, He's also mysterious. He's knowable. He's personal. He's not some distant God who we can't have a relationship with. He's so personal that even Jesus said you should call out to him, Abba, Father, meaning like, Dad, hey, like you can have that kind of a relationship with God. We can be friends of God. We can walk in communion with God. But there's also just this awe that we should have, an awe, a reverence before God because he's still so great and so powerful, omnipotent, all power, omniscient, all knowing, omnipresent, he's everywhere, always. But he's also just mysterious. There's a lot that we can't, we can't fully grasp about God. If we could, then I don't think he would be some kind of great and grand God if we knew everything about him. And so one of those things about God is he's a triune God. There's another good Jeopardy word for you if you haven't grown up in church, meaning he's three in one. And any time that we as a people try to come up with like an example of what that looks like, it always falls short to a degree. You know, we've got the egg and you've got, you know, the outer shell, you've got, you know, the white and then you got the yolk. And so we've got that. We've got the different phases of water, right? We've got that in our back pocket as Christians, you know, talking about the Trinity. It's just like water, It's like a liquid, it's a solid as ice being gas, but it's all water. They all fall short as it pertains to God. But we do believe that God is God the Father, God the Son, 
in God the Holy Spirit. And we sing about it too in the creed. You know, I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is... That's good. Our God is three in one. We believe that. It's important to know that God's a triune God because when you start, and just stick with me a little bit here because it's a little bit heady, a little bit heady. Because when you start asking the grander questions of the world, in the world of like, why did God create people? Was it because he was lacking something? Like he needed more love? Like he needed to kind of satiate his own appetite or desires because he was getting a little bit lonely out in the middle of the mush of nothingness before anything was anything? Why did God create anything? Is it because he was lacking something? No, it's because he wasn't, he wasn't lacking anything. He was a triune God, meaning within himself, and this is where a mystery is involved, and I will, I will confess that. There is a mystery involved with this whole theology of the Trinity and how God is three as one, but within himself, God had perfect community. He was not lacking in companionship because three in one, there was perfect harmony, perfect community, there was a shared love within himself, a shared kind of grace, a shared support, a harmony. There was perfection. God was perfect. He wasn't lacking in anything. And that oneness runs deep. It is mysteriously powerful, supernaturally amazing that within God, he could be three yet one. And within himself, he could have perfect community, perfect love, perfect support, lacking nothing. God is, this is the word, perfect. He's perfect. And so when God went to create humanity, it was because he was a gracious and a selfless God who wanted to share his, per his perfection. He wanted to share that gloriousness, which is God. And he created people that he could share that love, share that community. And if you read the scriptures, you read in the beginning of this harmony in nature and with people and God, there was a relationship in that kind of cycle of continued support, continued love, continued togetherness and community existed in the beginning before all went awry. When we read in Genesis chapter three, people, instead of continuing in that way of being all in with God, being like one with God, a relationship, a strongness, a community with God, instead of continuing in that, people went their own way. They became selfish. And then Jesus, he came into the picture because he wanted to set things right again. He wanted to help people to become all in with God again because it is there that people can experience true harmony for their souls. Because they were created to be in this kind of relationship where there's this sharing of community and love and support. But then people went their own way and then Jesus had to come to this earth and he had to set things right and he wanted to create a way where people could come back into relationship with God. And before Jesus was crucified, which is a huge component within the equation that it would take to solve the problem of sin in the world, which is the propensity to go our own way away from God, before Jesus would die on a cross, he prayed a prayer. And it was an important prayer. It was a hugely important prayer to a people who needed to hear it. Not only hear the prayer, but need the prayer answered. And it's important for us this morning, 
in John chapter 17, 20 through 21, when we look at the grandeur of God, when we look at the mystery of the Trinity of God, the triune God, this Godhead who is three in one, Father, Son, and Spirit, that oneness there. This is what Jesus prayed. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be, everyone say it together, one. But here's where it gets crazy. God, I pray that they would be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Wow, that is an amazing verse and an amazing prayer that Jesus prayed because we look at how important the Trinity is. We look at the power of the Trinity, of who God is. And Jesus is saying, I want all of them to be close and one, unified, just as we are unified. Wow, this speaks of a kind of community that literally the world has never seen. This kind of oneness. This talks about a kind of group, a kind of family that literally runs thicker than blood. This talks about a kind of community that is in it for each other, that is in it on common goal, on common mission, there to support one another, to extend grace and mercy to one another, to encourage one another, to support one another. So much so that they would be together and one and in such a close proximity to God that they would all be in together with God. And that whole union would be so powerful that those who are outside of it would look at that family and that relationship, that group of people, that they would look at it and that they would know and that the world may believe that you have sent me, that they would actually look at that and say, whoa, what is that? How can you have that kind of community? How can you have that kind of family? How can you be that supportive, that encouraging? And it's supposed to be so powerful that it's supposed to bring people to God. That literally, to give an example, that someone would come into this building right now and maybe they've never had a relationship with God, but just by virtue of being with the church, capital C, the ecclesia, the group of believers, that just by them being in the room, they would be like, whoa, there must be a God. That speaks of something truly powerful. And something that I think we as people, we yearn for. Doesn't that sound so nice? Even if you don't believe in God, you have to admit this concept of this kind of community where we're so close, we're so one, we care for one another, we support one another, we love one another, we encourage one another, we're on mission together. You gotta admit, that's appealing. Because we as people, I think we have an individual problem. We have a, a, an us problem, a me problem. We have been cultivated by our society, and I don't wanna sound like that old person who's like always talking about technology and all this stuff, but the, the truth remains that we have been cultivated as a society to be very narcissistic, to be just us-centered and us-focused. Everything is tailored to our preference, even now. Everything is tailored to our preferences. Case in point, going to sheets, you're hungry. I don't know what I want, I don't know what I want. Not only are you surrounded by a smorgasbord of options of chips and everything else and a million other, the place is crazy. But you go to a screen and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna create something they don't even have. 
I'm gonna do it my way. Actually, that's McDonald's slogan, isn't it? Something like that, Burger King, help me. My way, Burger King, okay, sorry. Apologize for that. Sheets, you can go and click this thing. Da, 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 da. You can get anything your way, your preference, right there. Netflix, you're on there. You can pick exactly what you want to watch whenever you want to watch it. It's on demand. When you search certain news articles enough, there are algorithms that curate the content so that when you open up your phone again and read the news, it's the news that you want to see. You got people like Disney saying, you got to sing it out, let it go, let it go. You know, it's just like, who cares what everyone thinks? Just do your thing. And it's kind of sad because it gets lonely, doesn't it? You feel like you're in community sometimes because of technology too. You can be watching TV shows and it's literally designed to bring you in to make you feel like you have a relationship with a fictional character. And you actually feel like you do. I know Dr. Shepard. I know him. I know Jeff Probst. I know them. But you don't. You don't know them. Or you're watching YouTube and it's like you're, you're watching a vlogger and it's like, man, I know that person. I know Casey Neistat. I know this person. But then you come across them on the street. You're like, hey, hi. I'm. And then it's like, oh, wait. They don't know me. And then it's kind of sad because it's like, oh man, I've been walking through life with them, but I have no part of life with them. God has something so much more in store. God wants to create a community that literally the gates of hell can't stand against it. That literally, regardless of what circumstances, whether a parent dies or whether you find yourself down and out because you lost your job or you find yourself just in a dark season and you can't even extend, understand why, God has designed it so that there could be an authentic kind of community. One that is to come alongside you and help you. One that is to come alongside you and not leave you when things get difficult. But they're in it for the long haul because God is in it for the long haul. And that speaks to our innate desire as people to connect and God has an answer for that disconnection. If you're here and you feel that, we have been called to be one. We have been called to be one and so close and so powerful as a community that the world ought to look at us and say, we are desperate for whatever is bringing you together. And we have an answer to say, no, 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 it's not us, it's God. It's God who brought us together. Oh, what a beautiful story. What a beautiful testimony that speaks of the glory of God, a kind of community that is so close and so powerful that it blows everything else out of the water. And the question then becomes, how do we get that kind of community? How are we supposed to operate within that kind of community? Because if you call on Jesus as your savior, you are a part of the community. So then the question is, am I a part of this family, which is known as the Capital C Church? I love talking about the Capital C Church. We at Riverside, that's our own family. It's a, we're part of the Capital C Church, meaning all believers, which is the family. But then we're also a little C Church, which is, it's our Riverside family, which I am biased toward greatly. I think we have a great family. In fact, I think that we are quite strong in this area in our church. I am so thankful to say I think we have some of the best people, family members. I have the best brothers and sisters in the world. And if I talk about it too long, I can, talk, I can start crying just like I do about my dad and my mom. Because I'm so thankful of the family that is here. But the question is, how can we 
And how are we supposed to operate within the family specifically? What are some examples that would inspire us to move? If we find ourselves here even this morning, a little, you know, narcissistic or a little bit individualistic this morning, that it feels like your chair, your section, this is what we, I do, you know, et cetera. Um, Let's open that up a little bit and remind ourselves, hey, we are a part of something so much bigger. And this is the vehicle through which God wants to establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, amen? And the truth remains, you can't be all in. You cannot be all in, as God has called us to be all in. Where true life and life to the full, a flourishing life exists. We cannot be, and you cannot be all in, unless you have the right people in your life. That's one equation, part of the equation. But then, this is also crucial, and unless you also serve as the right people, a right person in someone else's life, in that community's life. For you to experience the benefit and the blessing of being all in as God has intended it. We need the right people in our lives, but we also need to serve as the right person in those people's lives, amen? So the question is, what are some ways we ought to operate? Because I think the scripture gives us a, a wealth of knowledge and information and direction on what that kind of community looks like. So let's turn to Exodus chapter 17, verses eight through 16. This is an example and a dramatic one of the people of God, the nation of Israel, those who had been, you know, walked through the parting of the Red Sea out of captivity and slavery from the Egyptians, the rule of Pharaoh, walked through to freedom. And God had pointed his people to go to the promised land and they were like, you know, fighting against it. They didn't want to go. They were nervous. And so then they had to wander the wilderness for 40 years. It's just a, it's just a mess, God. It's a mess. Just a messy. People are a mess. And here's Moses. And Moses, you know, the one, you know, down, who has ever seen the original 10 commandments movie? I still picture Moses like that, which is incredible. I love it. Moses is leading these people and every once in a while, a fight will break out just by some malicious bad people, groups of people who just want to take advantage of the nation of Israel, God's people. And this was the example in Exodus chapter 17, 8 through 16 with the Amalekites. The Amalekites were just a, they're just a nasty group of people. They were just terrible people. They wanted to come and they wanted to, to take and kill God's people. And so Moses sent Joshua. Joshua comes into the picture here. For those of you who, are, who know the biblical narrative, Joshua comes into the picture. He says, hey, go take and lead a people over there and fight off the Amalekites. So they go. And then Moses makes this connection. He's holding his staff. And he makes this connection that when he's raising his staff over his head, lifting his arms in the air, Israel is winning the battle. But then when his arms begin to drop the Amalekites begin to win. And so if we were to plan, you know, I know there's no Steeler game, so we could do this. However, I'm not gonna keep you here this long. If we did like a competition of who could hold their arms up as long as they could, we'd be here for a long time, but it's just, unco- it's just impossible. You can't hold it up forever. And that is exactly where Moses found himself. He found himself holding up this, this staff in the air and he couldn't hold it up. He was getting weak, so he would drop. They would begin to lose. And instead of losing the battle, what happened? Aaron and Ur came, and they came underneath Moses, and I love this picture. They held up Moses' arms. And so Moses is able to hold up the staff longer than he could on his own. In fact, the Israelites would have been defeated if it was not for the arm support which came. Aaron and Ur came and lift 
up Moses' arms. And so, as a result of lifting up Moses' arms, the people of God experience the victory of God. And how many of us need to come into people's lives and experience the victory of God? We need to be the kind of people who help the church experience the victories of God. That on their own, the church cannot experience to the full degree the victory that God has in store if we were on our own. For instance, I think it was, what was it, David? Was it 11 years ago that the mills came into existence? 12 years ago. 12 years ago. If David decided, hey, I want to plant a church, I want to see the kingdom of God come here, right in this place, and he goes out by himself, not going to experience the victory which is today. If you look around this room, this is the victory of God today. It's because of a people who came together and when David and the pastors and one person couldn't do it on their own, there was a group of people who came together, supported, and went and did it and claimed that hill, which was the Pittsburgh Mills Mall, (laughs) and put a worship space in a mall. 12 years ago, it was unheard of. It was in the newspaper because what is a church going in a mall? Well, we wanted to go to where the people were. God, bring the people back. (laughs) But here we are. No, seriously, but here we are. How many people have walked by the church? Even if it was for one, it was a victory. But here we are, together as a family at the mills. And this is what the church needs. We need people who rush to help lift and support up the church and not just run away. How easy it is to become individualistic. You know, the church is a family. It's not Apple, where every once in a while, we're gonna upset you because that's what families do. I'm going to upset you. I'm going to wear a hat on this stage and offend someone. That happened. Actually, it didn't really happen. I don't think anyone told me they were offended. Hopefully not. There's going to come times where we do things that you're not going to like. But that's because we're people. The time that we, the, the moment we become so professional that you're not getting disappointed, you should be a little bit nervous probably. Instead, we're a living, breathing organism, our family. And so let's not run away. Instead, let's support one another. But what if you're saying, you know, I've got nothing to offer. I got nothing to offer. Oh, come on. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has knit you together in your mother's wombs. I believe there's something that God has given you that you can do better than anyone else. And I think the kingdom of God would benefit greatly if you would offer it to the kingdom of God. In fact, I think it says it perfectly in 1 Peter. What does it say? Each of you has received a gift to use to serve others. And yes, that does mean you. Whoever is sitting there and saying, not me, yes, you. There is something that you can bring to this family to support it, to experience the victories of God. And that's the kind of people that we should be. We should be the errands and the errs of the church where we run up when we are in need and we lift each other up that we might experience a victory of God for the kingdom of God, amen? And then there are times where it just gets difficult on an individual level and an internal level. That's an external thing. When I think of that scripture passage in in Exodus, it's an external victory for the kingdom of God. And we're gonna need more of that. We're gonna need to keep seeing people come to Jesus. We're gonna need to see the kingdom of God win the day when otherwise on our own it wouldn't. And so we're gonna need each other. And I'm so thankful for the ways that you all step up time and time again to, to help support what God is doing, not only here through Riverside, but really around the world. And sometimes we go through external troubles in this family, right? Sometimes we have hard times, we go through tough times, whether it be through loss or difficulty, depression, anxiety, 
We run through these problems because the ebb and flow of life. As a Christian, God never promised it would be easy. He always said it would be worthwhile, but he never said it would be easy. And so we have these times where we find ourselves just weak. And how are we to operate as a one family, a one where we come together and experience this kind of powerful community like God experiences even within himself? How are we to operate? I look to the scriptures of 1 Samuel chapter 23. And I would encourage you to write down these scripture passages if you're ever taking notes. And I would encourage you to go back and read them in their entirety because they're just rich and, and they will fill your life. I believe it. And in 1 Samuel, here's an example of David. David, like lion and, not lion, excuse me, Goliath, giant, you know, stones, that David, that guy. Yeah, the one we already talked about once today who, be, who was anointed as king over Israel. He was anointed as the least likely one. You know, God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart, amen? And so thank God that's the truth for some of us, uh, for sure. Um, I'm talking about me, by the way, not, not just David. I'm sure David was actually pretty cool. But anyway, uh, David was anointed as king, but he wasn't king. Saul was king. And David was gaining prestige and, and good graces and good opinions of God's people, gaining some clout. And Saul didn't like it. And there came a moment where Saul wanted to kill David. And there came this moment, and a really powerful moment, I think in, in this moment where, where, where David, he became fearful when you find out that someone's going to come after you and kill you, it becomes unnerving. It's not, like if you know someone is actively pursuing you to kill you, it's just, a, you can't sleep. <laughs> you can't sleep at night. It's just fearful. Anyway, I don't want to take anything away by making a jest, a joke, joke out of this. David was in a rough spot. He was at a weakened state. He was worried. Saul was after him. The king was after him to kill him. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 16, it says, And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God. He helped him find strength in God. Maybe you would write that down. He helped him find strength in God. And he went to him to help him find strength in God. Meaning David didn't just stumble up to Jonathan at the same place on a Sunday morning. And they were like, hey, uh, you should, I'm going to help you find strength in God. No, no, no. Jonathan went to David and helped him find strength in God. And that's the kind of thing he reminded him. No, no, no. You are going to be okay. Saul is not going to kill you. My father is not going to kill you. You are going to become king. Don't you worry. And he found strength in God. He reminded him of the promise that God had made in the midst of one of his weakened states. And I believe that we as a church, we need to do that for one another. We need to remind ourselves in the difficulties of life, remember the promise that God has made to you, that there is a hope and a future, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, that you can do all things who, through Christ who strengthens you, that you are not alone, that God is with you. He is God Emmanuel, who is God who is with you. You are not alone. He wants to come alongside you. He has a hope, a plan for your future and find strength in God. He's not done with you yet. God has forgiven you. You don't have to live in that sin. You don't have to keep embracing that sin. You don't have to be immobilized by that sin or that person who's trying to hold you back. Instead, God has set you free. We need people in our lives who are able to rush to us in our time of difficulty and remind us of the promises of God. Help the church to find strength in God. It's amazing how words play into this picture of how we can give just the right word. How many of you have ever experienced just 
oh, it's like, it's like water in a desert when the right word is spoken at just the right time. You just needed to hear it, X, Y, and Z. And God sends a person to give you that encouraging or helpful word just when you need it. Oh, that's the kind of family we are to have where we are running to help each other with just the right word to remember to find strength, not in ourselves, maybe not in our careers, maybe not in our spouses, but we would find our strength in God that the name of Jesus would be flowing off of our mouths as a family, and there we will find the kind of strength that we need for our souls. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25, it says, let us hold, speaking to the family and how we are to increase this oneness, this community, something that the gates of hell will not stand against. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, amen? We are, it is important what we do here on a Sunday morning when we come together. If you think that this is just about you, it is for you. We want you to leave this place encouraged. We want want you to leave this place inspired. We want you to leave this place filled up when maybe the week has just emptied you out completely, but it's not just for you. Do you know that just by virtue of the fact that you are here, that you are building God's kingdom, that I personally, and I will speak personally, I am encouraged when I see you here. I am encouraged when I know what you are going through and yet you still lift your hands in praise to the heavens. When there's nothing that will get in your way. Oh, I love coming together like Alaska said. We mean it with all of our hearts and we say we love coming together. On a Sunday morning, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And trust me, that is a warning that it can become a habit when you stop coming to church with the church. And you find ourselves as islands and it's there that it's most easily to attack when we're an island. We should be encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day, capital D, approaching, talking of Christ's return and we are in the last days. We've been in the last days ever since Jesus ascended back into heaven. Those who are trying to name the date and the time, that's just kind of weird. Don't do that, it's pointless because no one knows the day or the hour but the day is here and it is approaching and therefore we ought to be coming together stronger than ever, not weaker than ever. As the world becomes more individualistic and narcissistic, we should become more selfless and more connected. We should become more unified as people are becoming more disconnected. We should be a bright light in the darkness, which is connection in this world. We should be looked at as the example to follow. Something people are craving because of the power of our community. I want to invite the worship team to come back up. The thing is that it is not our natural inclination to do the selfless thing, to do the community thing, to do the unity thing. Our natural thing is to go our own way, is to become an isolated person. Instead, Jesus has made a way for us to reconnect, not just to each other as people, where that was such a vacant and problematic situation, He didn't just make it possible between us, but he made it possible that we could be connected and we could be connected together and connected to God. To do the very thing that God has called us to do. God, I pray that they would be one. We cannot be one on our own, if that makes any sense. Instead, we need God to help us because he is the one who is truly one. 
And so this is what Jesus said, just following his statement of that prayer that he prayed. He prayed in John 17, 20 through 21. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And then he gives the example and the important factor, the one missing link of what it takes to experience that kind of beautiful community because we can't do it on our own. He gives us the answer of what it takes to actually become one. Yes, we can muster up all of our might to help support one another just like Aaron and Ur did Moses. We can run and rush and try to give the perfect encouraging word to help someone find strength in God and we can do that for a little bit on our own But if we want longevity, if we want the full impact of the community that God had in store, then we cannot do it on our own. Instead, it takes Jesus to help us to establish that kind of community. Just following his prayer, he continued on in John chapter 17, 22 through 23. He says, I have given. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I have given them the ability. It comes from me. And so if you find yourself having trouble right now with this, you're like, man, I would love to be a part of that, but just there's something within me that's tugging me away. Don't just go rushing into community, but first rush to God. First rush to Jesus, because it is there that he will shape and mold your heart to open it to the kind of community that's going to satisfy one of your most deepest needs as people. I have given them the glory. When they couldn't raise up their arms on their own, holding the staff to experience the the victory of God, I held out my arms open wide on a cross that they might experience the victory, which is community in Christ. When they couldn't find strength on their own, I gave them all the strength they need because all I can do, all things... Through Christ who strengthens me, I have given them a kind of strength that they just do not have on their own. I have given them everything they need in order to go out into that world and serve as a bright light that is shining so brightly that those who would behold it would say, whoa, there must be a God. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Would you stand to your feet, church, family? And as we sing together in just a moment, I want to leave you with this one word. Be all in together. Let's be all in together. Be all in together. Let's not just be all in at home on our own, but let's be all in together because I believe in my whole heart that if we come together, that there is nothing that is going to stop us moving forward and perpetuating the kingdom of God forward as God has called us to move it forward. It is there that we will experience life and life to the full. And you can enter this family by just confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your hearts that God has raised him from the dead, you can have a conversation with God here this morning and join this community right here with an honest conversation. God is that good 
It's the way we ought to live. Let us be that unstoppable force that God has called us to be. We can't do it alone, but instead, let's be all in together. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you have created a different way when we so desperately need a different way. Thank you for opening the door to authentic community, powerful community, a community so strong that people would look at it and say, where did you get that? And then we can point to you and then people's lives would be saved for eternity. God, I pray that you would help us to support one another, encourage one another to tackle the hills together, but also to quiet the enemy within us who tries to attack us. Help us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.